Well, welcome to Grace Bible Church Creekside Campus. It is a delight to be with you this morning on this Thanksgiving weekend. We're glad you're here. We hope you had a a fantastic Thanksgiving. For those of you that I don't know or that I haven't had the privilege to meet yet, my name is Chris Thompson. I'm the campus pastor here at the Creekside Campus. And some of you may know just from stories that I've shared and, and just personal acquaintance that uh, I served in youth ministry for 18 years prior to coming back to Grace Bible Church, prior to being uh, the campus pastor here at Creekside. And during my time as a youth pastor, I loved to take road trips, loved taking the students on trips all over the country. In fact, some of my favorite trips were our mission trips that we got to take to some pretty distant places from our church in Dallas. We went to Navajo, Arizona. We went to Denver, Colorado. We went to Wind River, Wyoming. We went to Chicago, Illinois. We went to Tennessee. We went to Savannah, Georgia, St. Petersburg, Florida, all over this country. Basically, I would find as far as you could get in two days drive and we'd go there. And it was fun because I love road trips. And part of the love of road trips is getting to sit in the middle of the van. We'd have this caravan of 12 passenger vans because we'd take like 50 or 60 kids on these trips. And we'd have this caravan and I would find a van and I'd plant myself in the middle of it with all the students and we'd share stories, we'd play games, and we'd sing. Yeah, singing on road trips with a youth group is what you do. And praise God for the invention of the iPod because it transformed my ministry from having to lug this massive thing of CDs. And fortunately, I wasn't doing youth ministry in the 8-track days. That would have been dangerous. But we had all these, you know, cases full of CDs that we'd have to take with us. And then all of a sudden, that got consolidated to this little bitty device, which had our entire music library on it. It was amazing. And then they added phones to these things. Unbelievable. But technology these days. But uh, yeah, we'd be singing at the top of our lungs to the latest, latest pop songs and fun songs. And my kids, they, they had to know the 70s and 80s too. I mean, if they're going to be, you know, in my youth group, then they got to know this stuff. But well, I'll tell you what, the other day, the Creekside staff took a little outing to Navasota. We did a little off-site and uh, my man Kenny was flipping the wax. He was de- DJing for us in the, in the, we were all piled into the church van, believe it or not. And we were, there was a couple of us on the staff that were reliving our youth and getting into, uh, into some of the songs and singing at the top of our lungs like we had microphones. And it was a lot of fun. Maggie, man, we were, we were there. We were, it was so much fun. But uh, taking it back to the youth ministry days, it was good times. Well, I, I like music. I love to sing. And uh, if you think about it, though, if you've never come to a church worship service, if you've never been at a church before, and you walk into these doors, I have to admit, even as a guy that likes music and loves to sing, it's kind of peculiar what we're doing for really almost half of the service together. Singing. If you just kind of just step back and think about it objectively for just a second, what is this that we're doing? We're, we're singing, and, and if you don't know God, you're singing to this person that's invisible, that he's not even, you know, like physically present in the room. It's just kind of odd. You, you start to think about that aspect for just a second. Well, God has 
wired us for music. He has wired us for song. Singing has been around since before time began. In fact, we know scripturally that the angels were singing at the creation event. And it's God that gave those angels their angelic voices to be able to sing with in the first place. We also know that the scriptures have song all throughout the Bible. There's actually 185 different songs in the scriptures. 150 of them, you already know, are the Psalms, right? But there's also songs that you may not have thought about before. There's Hannah's song. There's Mary's song. In fact, Moses recorded three different songs himself, one of which God composed himself, and he gave to Moses that he might record it, write it down, and teach it to the people. So we know that God's people have been involved in song and singing praises since the earliest moments of human existence, right? Well, this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to think about why do we sing? What is the purpose? We're going to go backwards in our study in Ephesians for just a brief moment this morning. We're going to backtrack to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. And I want to submit to us this morning, as you're turning there, that why do we sing? Well, God calls us to sing. And I want to suggest that he has a purpose behind it. Why do we sing? Is it, what, what value does it have for us individually? What purpose does it play for us as a church? What is the point? Let's look at these, this passage. Read with me Ephesians chapter 5. I'll read it aloud. You can see it here on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says this. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Well, I have, with these seven verses that we're looking at this morning, I have seven observations that I want to make regarding why we sing. And the first thing that we see that I want to bring to our attention is in verse 17. I'm sorry, verse 18. He says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's making a contrast here between being controlled by wine or alcohol and being controlled or filled with the Spirit. And then right after that, he says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord. You see, being filled with the Spirit finds its expression in singing. We enjoy singing as we are filled with the Spirit. The second thing that we see is that It's actually stemming from, look, verse 19, from the heart, making melody to the Lord with your heart. 
So now, if you think about the words that we sing, the, the lyrics that we read as we sing and as we're engaged in this wonderful and beautiful activity of singing together, uh, maybe some of you, some of us, might be left brain thinkers, the, the more analytical types, the engineers, the logical and the, the, the math-oriented types. Many of you may be engaged in a, in a process in your minds as you're looking at these lyrics. You're thinking about them very critically. You're thinking theologically. You're thinking scripturally. You're, you're thinking about where, where does this stem from? Where does this scripture come from? Where does this song coming from? Many of you are really engaging your mind as you sing. And that's a good thing. I, I want to encourage that. But I also want to encourage you to do something else. I want, to, I want to challenge you to take it and don't let it just reside up here and let it just be a cerebral experience for you. But to really allow the singing to go from the head to the heart. That's what Paul's calling us to, that we are making melody to the Lord with our hearts. So it's an emotional appeal. It's an emotional experience. Truly, if you think about it, it's an opportunity for us to worship the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It is a worship of God with all of our being, which is what Christ called us to, the first and greatest commandment. Look at this psalm. Psalm 71 says this, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul which you have redeemed. There's aspects about his physical being, his lips singing. There's joy stemming from his heart. There's his soul. There's all of him. He's worshiping God with all of his being. Well, that leads us to the next thing, talking about how we worship, giving thanks in verse 20. There's, there's this aspect of thanksgiving in our singing. You see, thanksgiving oftentimes results in singing because of the joy and the gratitude and the delight that we find in our great God. In Ezra chapter 3, Ezra records the, the, uh, the temple as being rebuilt And when the foundation was laid, all of the people were just elated with joy that they were getting to see and witness and celebrate the return of the temple to the people in Israel. And once this foundation was laid, they erupted with, as with one voice, Ezra records, in singing praise to God because they were so delighted And they were so thankful that they were getting to witness this that God was accomplishing right there in their midst. And so their thanksgiving erupted in singing. Now I recognize that oftentimes, you know, we just we just celebrated Thanksgiving just a few days ago. And I hope that every one of us had the opportunity to really reflect on what God has done and has been doing and the ways that He's been working and providing and protecting. And guiding us in our lives over this past year. But I realize that sometimes that thanksgiving, that heart of gratitude is difficult to access. Because of where we're at, we're going through a dark time. Maybe a season of grief or despair that makes that very difficult 
to find joy in the Lord. I think about Acts chapter 16. We studied this a couple years ago when, when we first launched Creekside. And this, this particular passage talks about Paul and Silas. And when they were sharing the gospel, they were thrown into prison in Philippi. They were actually thrown in the, the furthest, darkest cell and locked up in stocks. So not only were they put in the prison, but they were chained up to the walls as well. And these guys, I mean, very realistically, they could have been facing death. They had not a lot to be thankful for in that moment. But what does the scripture say? Along about midnight, they were singing praises to God. And I want to encourage us and challenge us that even when it is difficult to find that opportunity, that ability, even in our hearts, maybe it's through anxiety, depression, a season of grief, or even just having a hard day. Sometimes singing can unlock that for us. Can, it can allow us to access that joy in the Lord. Thanksgiving oftentimes results in singing, but sometimes singing can result in thanksgiving. So I want to encourage us and challenge us. Sing even when we don't feel like it. The next thing is verse 15. If you look back up there at the, at the top of this passage, look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I want us to think about this in relationship to there is a, there is a war going on. As we talk about the war going on in our hearts, kind of thinking about you know, trying to access that thanksgiving, there's, there's definitely a war going on for your heart in that moment. Sometimes our hearts are hardened by the deceitfulness of Satan. And so singing actually can be combative. It is, it is a singing heart that is taking the war to the front lines and waging a battle against sin and against Satan. Look at this verse in, in uh, Psalm 8, verse 2. It says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to the silence to silence the foe and the avenger recognize that singing has a powerful influence in our hearts to bring about joy to also bring about this spiritual warfare against lies that are constantly being bombarded at us through our society through the media through all aspects of our lives And our singing allows us to incorporate truth into our hearts, into our lives, into our very being that reminds us of who we are and who he is in our lives. The other aspect is this, that it's very unifying. Think about who Paul's talking to here. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. He's not talking about talking to just one person here. He's talking to the church. And as we come together to sing as one, we are singing in solidarity to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're singing, our singing with one voice, our singing together. It's actually unifying. I love getting to sing and hear the voices around me because we are all 
in this together. We are singing as one. Look at this in Romans chapter 15. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, with one voice we are lifting our praises to him. And the the idea of harmony, that's not just melodious harmony. We're talking about relational harmony. So as we come in, it's unifying us. It's drawing us together. It's bringing us together as one. Look at this also in Psalm 22, verse 22. It says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Piggybacking off of this idea of it being unifying, look again at verse 19. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. There's this interesting aspect about addressing one another as we sing. Let me talk about that for just a second. Think again about the context of which Paul's writing. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. He's really talking to the church, all of the churches, us included. And in Ephesians chapter 4 specifically, he's talking a lot about building up the church, edifying the church, building up the body of Christ. And so there's this aspect as we sing together that we are building up the body of Christ. We are actually taking the words that we see on these screens and we are drawing them into our minds and to our hearts and we are singing them and proclaiming the truths one to another in unity that we are building one another up with the truths that we are declaring together. So there's this building up of the church. Look at this parallel passage in Colossians. Paul says this to the church of Colossae. He says, let the word of Christ Richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. See how very similar this this passage is? He says, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. He's saying the very same thing to the church in Colossae. But there's an interesting little twist that he gives in there. Contrast this with the the passage that he says to Ephesians. He says to the Ephesians, be filled with the spirit. Then he goes on to talk about singing and making melody with your hearts. And then in Colossians, he says this, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And he goes on to talk about singing, admonishing one another with song. So whether it's through being filled with the spirit or being filled with the word, both find their expression in singing Together as the body of Christ. There's such a powerful opportunity for God to impact our hearts as we sing together. You know, God wired us for music. He wired us for song. How many of you have ever had a commercial jingle that's been rolling through your mind for days on end? You could not get it out of your head. My kids got this new little app that's got... uh, Elmo dancing on it and it, you're like your face gets plopped in there and it's kind of ridiculous but it's got Elmo singing this little happy dance and so my kids have been singing this little silly Elmo song for days 
And every time I hear it, I'm thinking, don't stop. Don't sing it because what happens, it gets in my head. It just sticks in there and I can't get it out. And it drives me crazy. But that's the way songs can be. That commercials, marketers, advertisers, they know exactly what's going to stick in your mind. They put a little cute little jingle, little tune, little melody to their, uh, their phrase or their thing. And it's in your brain for good, right? Well, God knows that's how the way he wired us. That song would be something that allows these truths, these propositional truths from his scripture to be deeply embedded into our hearts and our minds for his purposes, for his glory. In fact, whenever I was a kid, my mom would, uh, she had us memorize whole chapters of the Bible and in order for us to be able to do this effectively and, and well, she would put it to like little meter, little rhyme, little, little, uh, little, little cadence to it that would help us to remember it better. In fact, there's whole educational philosophies based on this idea of you know, putting these things to memory through song. God knows that the songs that we sing are going to help us to remember his truths they're going to build up the body of Christ. Well, lastly, I want to encourage us with this. Look at who we sing to. He says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The songs that we sing, they're not just for us. They're not just for today. The songs that we sing are eternal. They have eternal value when we ask, what's the point of singing? It's because we sing to our great God, our eternal King Jesus. Look at what, what uh, John writes in Revelation. A great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Verse 10 goes on to say, And crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we sing today, but we will also sing for all of eternity to our great and eternal God. This that we do together, it has tremendous value. It has eternal significance. The singing that we sing to our God is so important. It is so vital for not just for us, not just for the church, but it is all praise and glory to our God. Now I have to admit, there is a moment in time that I asked that question, what's the point? Uh, there was a, a moment in my youth ministry career in which the students in our youth group, this is probably 10, maybe 15 years ago, that they just were not engaging in worship. And it was very discouraging to me, and it was very challenging for me to really try to f- help them to understand the value of why we sing and what that means to us individually, but also what that means to us corporately. 
Girls were going to the bathroom. Guys were wrestling in the back. Kids were talking over the songs and just really completely unengaged. And it was, as you could imagine, just really discouraging. But I had to kind of do some soul searching for a minute to say, well, okay, I'm discouraged and I'm frustrated, but why? Why would I challenge them to do anything different? What's the point? What is the purpose? I want them to be engaged with the worship. I want them to be singing together. But if I'm not convinced, it's going to be really hard for me to passionately encourage them and challenge them with this very idea and this very concept. Well, it was about that time that I was watching one of my favorite movies in the whole world, Casablanca. Some of you may have seen the movie. Maybe some of you are mutual admirers of this film. I was watching it, and there was this particular scene we're going to watch in just a second, in which the whole idea behind Casablanca is that uh, it's World War II. It's 1942, 1943. And of course, Hitler and Mussolini have started to ravage through Europe, just bulldozing through many of these countries. And all of these European refugees have made their way down out of Europe and into North Africa and, and across North Africa into Morocco. And there they wait in Casablanca, trying to attain exit visas to try to get to the Americas, in which they're obviously they're escaping to try to find freedom, to go to where there's democracy, that which they have loved and enjoyed for so long. Well, there's refugees from all of these walks of life, these different countries, Czechoslovakia, France, all over the world that have come to find themselves here in Casablanca. Well, the Nazis roll into town. And of course, that doesn't make any small conflict. And there's tension, right? There's tension brewing as these two ideologies, democracy versus the Nazi way of life, are at heads with one another. And then all of a sudden, one night in Rick's Cafe, the Germans stand up and spontaneously erupt in song with their German national anthem. And I want you to watch this video to see what happens next. Wife. My wife. Yes. Yeah. 
what I mean? If Laszlo's presence in a cafe can inspire this unfortunate demonstration, what more will his presence in Casablanca bring on? I advise that this place be shut up at once. But everybody's having such a good time. Yes, much too good a time. The place is to be closed. But I've no excuse to close it. Find one. Everybody is to leave here immediately. This cafe is closed until further notice. Clear the room at once. How can he close me up? On what ground? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody out at once. Love that movie. But I'm not sure if you caught it. But what I saw in that moment, in that scene, with the power of singing and how those who are singing for democracy and freedom in the La Marseille, it shut down the oppressors. And so I want us to realize and, and recognize that when we sing together, which we don't sing for just these temporal ideologies, we don't sing for these national governments that will one day fade away. We sing for our great God. We sing and we are inspired. We are moved with emotion because of who he is and what he has done. Our singing brings about solidarity. Our singing brings about unity. Our singing inspires and it speaks truth to one another. So let's follow Paul's admonition. Let's respond to his exhortation. Let's sing together. Church, if you're able, let's stand and sing together. that we sing together are not just filler. It's not just something that we do to take up time. It's not just something that we're doing to warm up for the main event. The songs that we sing are powerful, wonderful, beautiful in the way that we are able to offer up praise to our great God truth of the matter is that God created us. He created us. He created music. He created song. He created us to be able to sing. And this is a way in which we can offer back to him praises for him to his great name. I want us to recognize too that as we sing and we see these lyrics on the screens we process them through our minds we draw them into our hearts we sing them and utter them with our lips may we take these external realities the things that we experience and know about God to be true let us saturate them into our hearts and let us worship him with all of our mind heart soul and strength let's continue to sing together you know there's a pastor named Louis Giglio um, 
who once gave a sermon and he said, there's not going to be anyone worshiping with one hand in their pocket when we stand around the throne in heaven. And I know that it can be difficult, um, especially in an elementary school gym on some Sundays, um, when we're still on this side of heaven, when we're going through suffering, when we're going through trials and struggles and apathy. But, but I think Chris hit the nail on the head, particularly when he said, um, sometimes we need to sing so that our hearts can catch up with our words. And so whether you feel like singing or not this morning, I, I encourage you just out of obedience to the Lord, um, just out of faith, that even, even if you don't mean what you're singing, there's nothing wrong with still singing because it, it's a sacrifice of praise. So let's cast our minds to Calvary. Let's continue to sing. Let's continue to worship. Let's continue to thank Him for the gospel.